Hello and welcome to the Imagineer Podcast, your unofficial guide to all things Disney. I'm your host, Matthew Krall, and you're listening to episode 105 of the Imagineer Podcast. In today's episode, I am going to be sharing a Q&A that I did on Instagram Live. It's been a while since I've done one of these, but I like to try to do them at least once a year to answer all of your questions that you might have about anything related to Disney. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, be sure to do so. I'm on Instagram at Imagineer Podcast because I do lots of Instagram Live Q&As beyond this recording, but again, about once a year, if not more. I like to try to record these sessions just to produce them as a podcast episode. In this Q&A, we're going to discuss a lot of different topics ranging from upcoming changes coming to the Disney parks and resorts, uh, Remy's Ratatouille Adventure, which is opening at Epcot later this year in 2021, the upcoming 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World, which is also going to be later this year in 2021, talk about Disney snacks, relaxing spots at the Disney parks, some live action remake discussion, and a potential fifth park at Walt Disney World. Spoiler alert, there is no fifth park being discussed, but if we were to put on our imagineering thinking caps and try to brainstorm potential ideas, what I might envision or hope to see in a fifth Walt Disney World theme park. So a lot of great discussion, and I look forward to sharing this recorded Q&A with all of you. At the end of the episode, I'll come back and tell you a little bit more about how you can connect with the Imagineer podcast on all your favorite social media channels and how you can help to inspire and create the future of this show. So grab some headphones, pull up your favorite armchair, and enjoy this episode of the Imagineer Podcast. Hello, everybody. Hope you're having an amazing day so far, wherever you are. And as I mentioned earlier in my story, we're going to be doing a, a bit of a Q&A today to talk about all things Disney. For those of you watching on Instagram Live, you'll notice that I have my handy-dandy podcast mic next to me. That's because today's Q&A is actually going to be recorded. Hello, Brenna. How are you? So good to see all of you. Hope you're having an amazing day wherever you are, as I mentioned. And like I said, we're going to address any questions you have about Disney, about the podcasts, about anything else in in this world of Disney. And we'll post your answers to this podcast episode and, of course, in the Instagram Live today. There were many questions that were sent in that I would love to get to, and as you're listening to some of the responses, of course, feel free to add in your comments to the Q&A sticker or to the comments in the chat. And if you're listening to the podcast right now, of course, be sure to follow Imagine Your Podcast on Instagram at Imagineer Podcast or Instagram.com slash Imagineer Podcast to join a future Q&A and get a lot of other content as well. So let's go into some of the questions that are submitted right now from the comments. And I want to start with Cooking with Benito, who asks, what is my favorite Disneyland ride? 
and you are specifically asking about a ride, not an attraction. And honestly, it doesn't make too much of a difference either way, because my favorite ride at Disneyland, without a doubt, is Pirates of the Caribbean. It's probably the most classic attraction at Disneyland. It is one of Walt's final attractions that he helped to develop. And between the classic nature of the attraction, the length of the attraction, the updates that the Imagineers have given to the attraction since it opened time and time again. Every few years, it seems like there are some changes and updates that they make to Pirates of the Caribbean. Of course, the major updates they made in 2006 with the addition of the characters from the Pirates of the Caribbean films and so much more. I just can't get enough of that ride. So it is probably my favorite one. Hey friends, I just wanted to interrupt this Q&A real quick because this next question is about Remy's Ratatouille Adventure, and we happened to record this Q&A on February 28th, 2021. Somebody had asked me, as you'll hear, when I think Remy's Ratatouille Adventure will be opening. At the time, we had no information, and as you're about to hear, I gave very inaccurate information. Remy's Ratatouille Adventure, as it was announced on March 9th, a week and a half after this episode, will be opening officially at Epcot on October 1st, 2021. I wanted to keep this question in because we talk a little bit more beyond just the announcement date, but also because I thought it was uh, interesting to hear how wrong I can be with my predictions sometimes. It just goes to show we never really know what Disney has in the works and how they might surprise us. In any case, again, just to clarify once more as you go into this next question, at the time of this recording, there was no information about when this attraction would be opening. But a week and a half later, which was at this point a couple of months ago, Disney has officially announced that Remy's Ratatouille Adventure will be opening at Epcot at Walt Disney World on October 1st, 2021. Just wanted to make it clear before I start getting messages about it. Uh, I was indeed incorrect, but uh, it should be an entertaining question to listen back to. And uh, with that, let's get back to the Q&A. Uh, Jay Vela one asks, when is Ratatouille opening? I don't know. Disney hasn't formally announced it, and I have a feeling they're not going to. I think that there's just going to be a day where Remy's Ratatouille Adventure is open at Epcot. I have a feeling they've probably been done for a while. I, I feel like they're just waiting for the right time, and I don't think they're going to announce it because if they do announce a specific date, then, of course, the masses are going to appear at the park. And even with park capacity, it'll be very busy that day at Epcot. So I feel like they'll probably just wait and open it one day with a soft opening and not have an official public opening day, like a, a quote unquote opening day of Remy's Ratatouille Adventure. I think it's just going to open. But either way, whether I'm right or wrong, I feel like it might be this spring. In either case, I know that those of you watching are or listening to the podcast are going to love it. I had the chance to ride the sister attraction that's at Disneyland Paris at the Walt Disney Studios Park at Disneyland Paris. Personally, I get motion sickness and it did make me pretty queasy. I, I did get motion sickness from the attraction, but if you don't get motion sickness that easily, it is a lot of fun. Family friendly, family friendly attraction. Ratatouille is my favorite Pixar film. It's fun, it's zany, it's got the music and the characters from the film, and I feel like you'll absolutely love that attraction. And I'm also very excited for the expansion of the France Pavilion at Epcot by itself. The crepery that they're adding, it's going to be great. I, I, I can't wait to see it. 
Oh, Jack, are there any attractions at any park that you feel need to be changed? Or on the flip side, any attractions that are being or have been changed that you feel didn't need to be? Uh, Jack, I don't think there's any change that they've made so far that was a bad change. The question of whether or not it needed to be changed is a different story. And I think that there are reasons to to feel like the attractions that have been changed should have been or maybe they could have been fine the way that they were. It's always a contentious topic. But I feel like there are more changes on the horizon. If there are legacies that are left behind from each CEO at the Walt Disney Company, of course, Walt founded the company, and then he passed along the keys to Roy. And we had a few CEOs, um, you know, up until the modern times. And then we had Michael Eisner really responsible for most of the growth of the Walt Disney Company from the 80s and beyond. He was responsible for, along with uh, Frank Wells, President Frank Wells, for the Disney Renaissance and the addition of most of the Walt Disney World Resort hotels, plus Disney MGM Studios and Disney's Animal Kingdom Park and uh, Euro, uh, Euro Disneyland, which then became Disneyland Paris, plus Disney California Adventure Park. There's so much that Michael Eisner was responsible for. And then Bob Iger championed the growth of technology and acquisitions by helping Disney to acquire Lucasfilm, Pixar, Marvel, and I think he helped to diversify Disney enough to give them a a real uh, financial sense of financial stability. And then if you look at the leaving legacy that Bob Iger had, it was with the addition of Disney Plus, which I think is one of the most significant impacts he left behind for the Walt Disney Company. And I say Bob Iger, it's not just Bob Iger and it's not just Michael Eisner. They have teams of people who help them to develop these and they're just, they're the captains of the ship. So they're the ones that we assign some of the credit to and they're the ones that are making the final decisions, but ultimately, of course, is a team of people. And I think that Bob Chapek's role as CEO, he's going to have a dual role and one of those is going to be recovering these stormy seas that Disney is and the world is going through with the pandemic. And I think he has so far done a great job of keeping Disney afloat. I think the stock price by itself shows a lot of confidence in Bob Chapek as a CEO and everything that he's done. A stock price is a pretty good indication of the financial stability and the future of a company. And the fact that the Disney stock price has actually increased during a pandemic, when if you look at most other travel companies, they're doing poorly. But Disney stock prices increased because, of course, they're diversified in multiple areas. So I think Bob Chapek's role is going to be keeping this, the ship afloat. I don't envy the role that he has in helping to do that because, of course, Bob Iger had smooth waters, smooth sailing, not to say that all times were easy. And he certainly, if you haven't read his book, I encourage you to because he's had to make some really tough choices and deal with a lot of crises in his own. But Bob Chapek, of course, his his uh, the, the economy that he's in... Um, as being in charge of Disney and the state of the company and, and, you know, having to lay off, of course, thousands of cast members and all the horrible decisions that he's had to make are, are not enviable in any way. Besides that, the room coming back to with the attraction changes, I think what we're also going to see with Bob Chapek's legacy in the parks is modernizing the Disney parks. And Walt always wanted the parks to be an ever evolving landscape. If you look at Walt Disney's philosophy, it was that the parks would always be updated, plus enhanced, evolve, and just continually change them so that they are more relevant for modern generations. I think Bob Chapek has already started to do that. And that includes going back to 
while Bob Iger was CEO, Bob Chapek was ultimately responsible for parks and operations, and he was in charge of the decision to change Tower of Terror at Disney California Adventure Park to Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout, which at the time was a very controversial decision. But if you talk to those who have done the attraction, there are still some who miss Tower of Terror, the Disney California Adventure version. But most of the people you talk to, including Disneyland locals and people who have been to Disneyland and, and done both versions, say they like the Guardians of the Galaxy version better than the Tower of Terror version. And that's a statement and a testament to the company's ability to adapt and to um, to change attractions, but to modernize them in a way that makes sense with audiences, still kind of honors the roots of Walt Disney Imagineering and the attractions. And I think we're going to see more of that. To call out specific attractions that should be updated or changed, the first one that comes to mind is uh, Journey into Imagination at Epcot. Now, I am a person who grew up remembering Epcot during the early 90s, and a lot of the original attractions at Epcot were there in the early 90s. Horizons was one of my favorite attractions. I remember the original version of Journey into Imagination, The Living Seas, Universe of Energy, all those classics. And uh, I think that Journey to Imagination deserves an upgrade and deserves a change. And I think that there can be ways to honor the original intent of the pavilion, but modernize it and improve it. And certainly there are existing content out there that would fit well with the Imagination Pavilion. If you think about Phineas and Ferb, for instance, I think that would be a really smart fit with the Imagination Pavilion. And there are other ways, other other content, or even just original content that can be mixed with the Imagination Pavilion as well. So that would be the top of my list for the one that I would change or I would update, and I'm hoping that they will. And one other point about change at the parks is it's not only an honor to Walt, but it's also an honor to the attraction. And I think a lot of people miss that. They think that to honor attraction is to keep it forever the way that it is. And to me, that's not really the case. There are some attractions that will stand the test of time. I think Haunted Mansion is a good example of one that will probably continue to stay mostly in its same form. But even the Haunted Mansion, one of the most classic attractions of all time, Space Mountain, another great example of a classic attraction. These attractions have been changed. They've been updated. They've seen new technology. They've seen slightly changing storylines. They've seen new music. They've seen lots of changes over the years. And that's the greatest honor that you can give to an attraction is to keep it relevant by updating it. And I think that Journey to Imagination is one that is a classic at Epcot, a, a Tony Baxter attraction um, that deserves an upgrade. So that was a really long answer to Jack's question, but I think I answered probably three or four that I had seen come up in the Q&A sticker as well. Let me scroll down. One question about, uh, also from Cooking with Benito, about how to become an Imagineer. My best advice, because it is a very complicated subject, is to listen back to any Imagineer podcast episode with Imagineers themselves, because they have a lot of really relevant advice to offer. Some recent ones include Brian Collins, who is a former uh, show writer and script writer for Walt Disney Imagineering. He had some great advice. And Adam and Rebecca, who are two guests on my Imagineering Pandora series from early 2021, they were in charge of the set design and set decorations for Pandora, the World of Avatar, and had some really practical advice for becoming an Imagineer in modern times. And I think that's really worth a listen back if you are interested in becoming an Imagineer. Let's see what other questions we've gotten here. And I definitely want to go to some questions that were sent in earlier. Was I sad that the Electra, Electric Umbrella closed? 
Yes and no. I, I grew up going to Epcot, and I feel like whenever I wanted, uh, whenever I had a craving for Disney chicken nuggets, which is a, a guilty pleasure of any Disney trip for me, I would always go to inevitably to the electric umbrella. But I, I, I was not, I think, emotionally attached to it, uh, maybe as much as some other Disney fans were. And I feel like the changes that are coming to Epcot and some of the improvements are worth getting uh, changing over electric umbrella to something new. And uh, that's another example we talked about earlier of change being a way to honor a park and to honor an attraction. And I think that's something that we needed to see with electric umbrella as well. And if you look at a lot of the, the food offerings at Disney over the years, they have also evolved. And this is another example of where change is a really positive thing. If you look at the old, uh, menus at Walt Disney world and at Disneyland, primarily they were, better theme park food than other theme parks so they still offered the standard hot dogs hamburgers french fries uh chicken fingers uh and chicken tenders and uh sandwiches and a lot of those classic theme park items but look at the disney parks today if you go to one of my favorite places or probably my favorite place at walt disney world for counter service which is satuli canteen at disney's animal kingdom you will not find hamburger. Well, you will find hamburger pods, but you're not going to find your standard classic hamburger and fries. And I think it's probably the best value for food on property. You can get those delicious bowls, which I absolutely love, and they're they're wholesome, nutritious, great value, such high quality cuisine for something that is uh, ultimately just counter service. You're looking for something quick to eat. So I think with dining, Disney has continued to evolve their menu offerings, making a lot of the menu items accessible to those who have dietary restrictions or allergies or needs. I think for allergy friendliness, Disney is high at the top of the list. And I know people who have a lot of food sensitivities and allergies and requirements who always love and trust Disney because of their ability to offer a lot and do so in a really safe way where they personally feel safe dining at Disney uh, because Disney will go so far if you go to a full service restaurant and you have allergy requirements or if you do have allergies and present it to the chef the chef will actually cook separate on a completely separate uh, grill or oven or stove um, that is intentionally just for uh, allergy sensitivities so like they they take it very seriously and they do a great job I'm giving you a lot of really tangential answers, but I'm trying to answer multiple questions that I already saw in the Q&As previously as we answer some of these questions. See what other questions. I'm going to go into the question sticker real quick and see what was sent in earlier, and then we'll also get to some of the other questions that were sent in in the comments. So Kara wants to talk about the 50th anniversary. And I think that there were some of the original expectations uh, not quite met for obvious reasons. When Disney announced initially the 50th anniversary, there were going to be so many things coming to the parks. And I think that Bob Chapek, again, was going to be at the sort of at the as prime in, in helping to bring the 50th anniversary offerings to life at Walt Disney World. And mostly this year, they're going to be, for obvious reasons, scaling back a lot of the celebration. They'll still have, I imagine, what's going to be some sort of dedication ceremony for the 50th anniversary at the Magic Kingdom. They might make it a little more subdued than it probably could have been. Maybe a fewer, lower capacity, maybe not so formal. 
And of course, the one thing I am really looking forward to is the lights that are going to enhance the icons at Walt Disney World. So Disney's Animal Kingdom, the Tree of Life, the uh, the uh, the effects that they're going to have on the Tree of Life look incredible. And I'm very excited to see that at night. The Magic Kingdom, Cinderella Castle looks great. Space Your Birth, I feel like, and I've read that that might be a permanent addition to have those lighting effects on Space Your Birth. And it'd be great to to see that come to life. So I, I'm very excited for the 50th anniversary. Again, not quite what was originally expected, but I think that Disney is adapting really well. Two questions from L Shoot 13 or L Shut 13. I don't know how to pronounce it. I apologize. But two questions, if I can. One, I'm a huge fan of Tomorrowland music, as am I, by the way. What's your favorite music loop in Magic Kingdom? In Magic Kingdom. Tomorrowland is high on the list, I have to admit. I'm just thinking if there's anything that ranks higher than that. And I don't think there is. I'm going to agree with you. I think the Tomorrowland music loop is probably my favorite one at Magic Kingdom. If I'm craving area music, that's high on the top of my list. And I'll probably, in in Magic Kingdom, that's the first one I would go to. And two, is Splash Mountain keeping its name even with the renovation? Uh, Listening back to this, I'm sure when Splash Mountain's changes are done, it's going to sound weird to hear either me be right or wrong but uh my prediction is that it is going to change its name i i think that there's probably going to be some tag that will be added to it so it'll probably still say splash mountain but we'll probably say if you think about disney lately has been creating these really lengthy attraction names that are very descriptive which is very intentional and an example would be uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout or Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind is, is a couple of examples. Um, Remy's Ratatouille Adventure, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. There's a lot of lengthy, wordy names that really describe what the attraction is. So I think Splash Mountain will probably see a tag like Splash Mountain Adventures of Princess and the Frog or Splash Mountain Tiana's Showboat Adventure. I, I don't know. They're, they're, they're going to come up with, I think some tag that'd be my prediction but i am not 100 percent sure what's uh what they'll see bob asks is the fireworks show different this year from last year or did they just extend last year's show so bob i think you're probably asking about harmonious at epcot because of course if you're watching instagram live right now or listening back to the podcast in early 2021 the fireworks have been discontinued uh, as for the time being and that's not a permanent change. It's just a temporary change while we're going through this pandemic to help Disney to avoid creating crowds at the parks. I think Harmonious, if that's what you're asking about, though, is not the same as Epcot Forever, which was intended to be a temporary show and truly was pretty short-lived. It only lasted from October 1st of 2019 until when the parks closed in March of 2020. So we're talking about not even six months that Epcot Forever was available. And then they went straight to making the changes for Harmonious. I personally loved Epcot Forever. I thought it was very nostalgic and offered a lot of the callbacks to some of our favorite Epcot attractions. Harmonious, as someone who, again, I I, I have a lot of nostalgia for Disney, but I also have a lot of practicality and realism and look forward to changes at disney at the same time i you know at walt disney world i was one of those people who said that illuminations was my favorite show a lot of other people were promoting and saying that wishes or happily ever after was their favorite or phantasmic 
I was always an Illuminations guy, and I always encouraged people to go and see Illuminations. That being said, Illuminations aged. It definitely did. It, it had not been changed in almost 20 years, and it needed something new. So I'm very much looking forward to Harmonious at Epcot. I think that they are going to do it correctly and going to create a show that will probably become the new favorite at Walt Disney World, at least high on the list alongside Happily Ever After. And if you look at the change that was made from Wishes to Happily Ever After, I think we'll see an even more dramatic change between Illuminations and Harmonious. Right now, World of Color at Disney California Adventure Park is my favorite nighttime show. It even was higher than Illuminations when it when it's debuted in uh, the 2010s. And I, I think that Harmonious might beat World of Color. We'll see. For me, it's it's definitely a, it looks to be what will be a new classic show uh, at uh, at World Showcase. That being said, someone's asking what I think of the set pieces for Harmonious on Epcot's World Showcase Lagoon. I am not a huge fan of them permanently being there. I think they do change the sight lines of World Showcase quite a bit. So. I just hope that this show is going to be worth having them permanently there, and I feel like it will, but I'll reserve judgment until Harmonious officially comes out uh, and we see what it looks like. What else? I just saw a question pop up about what do I think they can add to spice up Animal Kingdom a bit? In my opinion, I feel like there's just something missing. I don't think there's anything missing from Animal Kingdom. They have spiced it up quite a bit. If you look at what Animal Kingdom used to look like, it was already a great park, but they really spruced it up. It used to be one of the half-day parks at Walt Disney World, and it closed at sunset most days. And then in 2016, they created those nighttime experiences to make way for Pandora, the world of Avatar, where they felt that there was going to be increased attendance. And honestly, there has been because of despite the pandemic um, or separate from the pandemic because of Pandora, the world of Avatar. That in itself, I think, really spruced up Animal Kingdom. In addition to Rivers of Light, Rivers of Light was another example of a show where people didn't not everybody necessarily loved it. I really enjoy Rivers of Light. I think it is an underrated show. And although it's not currently available, again, because of the pandemic, it is one of those shows I hope returns to these Animal Kingdom because it offered a great nighttime experience. And if you're saying that you're not feeling like there's enough at Animal Kingdom, I would say go explore. Because what a lot of people see at Animal Kingdom is just what's on the map. So they run to Expedition Everest, Kilimanjaro Safaris, Flight of Passage, Dinosaur, and then they leave. Maybe they check out Kali River Rapids. Maybe they do It's Tough to Be a Bug. But there is a lot at Animal Kingdom. There is Navi River Journey. There are the experiences at Dinoland, which are not... Dinosaur is certainly the premier attraction at Dinoland, but even exploring other parts of Dinoland are great there is in Africa and in Asia, they each have walking trails. A lot of people miss that there's also a walking trail through the Tree of Life. Uh, it's very hard to find except when you know where it is and then it's literally staring you in the face. But there's a lot of experiences. Even Conservation Station is one of my favorite parts of Disney's Animal Kingdom. Animal Kingdom is a park that's meant to explore. And if you just open up your park map and look for the big e-ticket attractions, maybe dine at Satuli Canteen or, or Yak and Yeti, then leave you're missing a lot and so i feel i feel like that animal kingdom is one of those parks where you really do have to devote some time and you can easily spend a full day there there's a lot of great experiences at that park and so i don't think they need to add anything 
if there was going to be a change I would recommend, it would probably be to update Dinoland either by creating a new land or just by enhancing the experience because it was originally intended to be a temporary land at the park that just inevitably ended up becoming a permanent land. Mickey and Minnie's, uh, sorry, not uh, Camp Minnie Mickey, I should say. Thinking Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. Camp Minnie Mickey was another example of a land that was meant to be temporary and eventually it did get updated to uh, Pandora, the world of Avatar. So I feel like the next park that's going to, the next part of the park that will come out will be something to update Dino Lands, but we'll, we'll have to see. And yes, Animal Kingdom is, is certainly my, uh, my favorite park for sure. Epcot has the, the biggest place in my heart from my childhood. Uh, you know, of course, alongside Magic Kingdom, but Disney's Animal Kingdom, I think, is uh, uh, one of the, the most brilliantly designed parks uh, in, in Walt Disney World and around the world. Let's see. So let's go back to some of the other Q&A question stickers. If you have other questions and you're watching Instagram Live, like I said, of course, feel free to put them into either the question sticker or to add them to the comments. Oh, I did see this question come up earlier from... Alexa, what's your favorite Disney classic treat? So my favorite Disney treat is probably, it really depends on the park. It depends on the day. I, for some reason, am a a sucker for the chocolate chip cookies at Disney, especially if you get one of those giant Mickey-shaped chocolate chip cookies on Main Street or you head to the Boardwalk Bakery and get one. It's such a simple treat. But it's, uh, for some reason, something I, I love. If I'm at Disney Springs, there's a lot that's available there as well. I might, I'm really curious to check out Everglades. I have yet to get there, but I, I'm very excited to check that place out. And Gideon's Bakehouse, their cookies are phenomenal. Gear Deli, going to their, to get their ice cream or a shake is is high on my list. There are a lot of really great options at the parks. Mickey Premium Bar is classic. Um, and then if I'm at Animal Kingdom, I'm probably heading to Satuli Canteen, as I've mentioned three times already in this Q&A, and is getting one of those blueberry cheesecake mousse desserts. Very high on my list. And if I'm outside the parks, getting zebra domes from Disney's Animal Kingdom Lodge is uh, another fantastic delicacy that I really enjoy. Popcorn is great as well, and I know people love, and I, I didn't mention Dole Whip. I know people love Dole Whips and churros and popcorn. Uh, for me, I like Dole Whips. I don't love Dole Whips. Churros and popcorn, I enjoy those as well, but I also find I could get popcorn and churros outside of Disney too. I know there's something very special about popcorn and churros in Disney, but I, I tend to go for the more unique treats that you can get at uh, at Disney. So question about what I'm most excited for when the Epcot overhaul is fully open. There's a couple of things I'm very, for, well, there's a lot of things I'm very excited for at Epcot. I think one of them is going to be the uh, Dreamer statue at Epcot, which is going to be Walt Disney sort of sitting on what appears to be steps or a bench of some kind, not a bench. He's, he's sitting on steps overlooking Epcot. Now the partner statue is special at Magic Kingdom 
and at Disneyland. It is a classic statue. It's been around since, if I remember correctly, I'm probably getting my dates wrong. I think it was the early 90s that the partner statues were added to both parks. It could be the mid-80s. I have to go back and double check my dates. Uh, I don't always remember my dates top of top of my head, but it, the partner statues have been around for 30, 40 years. And those were designed by Blaine Gibson, who was one of the original Imagineers. He was a sculptor for a lot of the animatronic figures that we see around the parks, Pirates of the Caribbean and Haunted Mansion, um, Hall of Presidents, a lot of the other real classics. And to see Walt holding Mickey's hand in Magic Kingdom is very special. But I feel like I'm going to get more emotional with the Dreamer statue at Epcot. And part of that is because instead of seeing Walt standing, we're going to see him sitting, which is a very different dynamic and more of a posed, relaxed stance. And I also think because Epcot was his final dream that he never got to see come to life, to see him sitting in the park that he ultimately ended up dreaming of last and smiling and looking at all the fun that families are having, that to me I think is going to be the most emotional addition to Epcot and one that I will always enjoy seeing whenever I go to the park. From attractions... I would say Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind, except I feel like I'm going to really struggle with that one from a motion sickness perspective. So I I mean, I have to say I will enjoy watching the POVs and reactions from other guests riding Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. And I am personally looking forward to Har- uh, Harmonious is probably really on uh, high on my list. And, you know, there was another one that just completely escaped my mind that was in my memory as I was talking about Walt. And uh, it's escaped. It's escaped my memory now. I'm excited for the Moana interactive exhibit. I hope they resurface the Mary Poppins attraction at United Kingdom since that was going the announcement that they made at D23 in 2019. And there's just going to be a lot of great stuff at that park. So I'm very excited for the future of Epcot. I think that Epcot's going to be in the best shape of its life um, since opening day. My favorite ride in Epcot, um, M, I am so glad you asked because a lot of people, when they mention their favorite ride at Epcot, it's, it's Soren or Test Track or Frozen Ever After, maybe Spaceship Earth. And Test Track, all of those are high on my list. Test Track is probably the top of my list from those choices, if not Spaceship Earth. But my favorite ride at, at Epcot is probably Living with the Land. And it's also the most underrated attraction at the park. And it's one of those attractions that if I ever post a POV to my Instagram or to my Facebook, the most common question I get is, what attraction is this and where is it? Because most people don't realize it's there. But you do pass it. You just don't realize that you pass it. If you've ever done Soarin', you have absolutely seen Living with the Land. <laughs> you just probably haven't noticed that it's there. Same thing with um, Awesome Planet. It's also there. Most people don't realize that's there. So there's actually three attractions in the Land Pavilion, and most people just focus on Soren. But the Living with the Land attraction is my favorite. It's one of the oldest attractions at the park, and yet it's still relevant and still wonderful. And it's just a very simple attraction, but it is really a tribute to Walt because I feel like it is the most Epcot, I'm putting air quotes around it, the most Epcot attraction because Walt envisioned a place for Epcot that would be like a living city in a way and would be a place where people could work and live and play and learn. And living with the land is an embodiment of that because not only is it a ride, but it's also a living, breathing greenhouse where a lot of the 
the vegetables and and produce that's grown at the land pavilion is served in restaurants at Walt Disney World. And they have a horticulture and agriculture team that's there researching new technology and agriculture and 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 hydroponics. Just if you've never had hydroponics, fruit or vegetables, I was lucky enough recently to actually get hydroponically grown strawberries in my local grocery store. And they are amazing. They are super sweet and fresh and they don't have the same uh, like dirt taste sometimes that a lot of vegetables that are or fruit that are grown in the ground will get. It's just a really great way of producing and it's and a clean way of producing fruits and vegetables. And so I love living with the land, I think, for a lot of reasons. And I did, if you haven't listened back, I did a podcast episode back in the fall of 2019. I believe it's episode 60, if I remember off the top of my head. That's all about living with the land. And you'll learn, if you didn't know too much about the attraction, you'll learn a lot about it. So it's certainly a classic. Uh, let's see. Georgina, my favorite Disney sound. This is really tough. It it might be... Okay, there are a lot. But I'll, I'll, if I had to pick one, it would probably be the sound of the water taxis on the seven seas lagoon it's a very distinct horn sound that you can only get at walt disney world and that is the sound of home i also love the sound of the train from the walt disney world railroad of course i love the monorail sounds between the doors opening and closing and the safety spiel that we all know at the top of our heads by heart um and then of course the sound of entering the park that 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 sort of ding sound as you as you enter into the park or enter into even a fast pass queue is a, is a great sound that you that you know that you're home. Alyssa asks my favorite Epcot festival. This is a another really hard one because I love all four for very different reasons. But if I had to pick one, I'll actually say the Flower and Garden Festival. It is a time of year where Epcot is at her most beautiful between the all the floral arrangements and the beautiful horticulture that's at the park, the butterfly exhibit, plus the fact that it's a mini food and wine festival. Epcot never smells so good, just with the flowers, and it's a great time of year to go. So I'll, I'll have to say the Flower and Garden Festival is probably top of my list. Of course, food and wine is high on my list just because of the, the serious number of incredible food and drink offerings at that festival. And then it's probably a tie for festival of the arts and holidays around the world each for different reasons the nostalgia and the the sentimentality of festivals around the world is is just too hard to describe and festival of the arts is a newcomer and i've seen every year festival of the arts except this year i was very disappointed the first year i haven't seen it um in person and uh it's just a beautiful festival and it's still offer all of them offer in a way like a mini food and wine festival and, uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd probably put Flower and Garden at the top of my list. Ellie, you're asking about the major updates to Spaceship Earth. Let me take a quick sip of water before I do that. This is what happens when I talk for 40 minutes straight. My throat gets dry. I, <laughs> I'm very excited. I, I, they, it's worth noting that they announced that they're not doing it, at least not right away, that they're delaying the spaceship earth refurbishment because of the pandemic they of course were hemorrhaging money for months and 
a lot of the plans they had had that hadn't started yet, they decided to delay for obvious smart reasons, right? If you deal with a financial crisis, you need to scale back your expenses. And that was a smart move. Um, that being said, I think what a lot of people miss, and, and if this has not been a theme of this episode, I, it's, it, I'll tell you, it's, it seems like it's, it's one of the top themes of, uh, of this particular Instagram Live. And that is the idea of change being not only, I think, positive, but also common and a lot more common than people realize. So a lot of folks who remember Spaceship Earth or think of Spaceship Earth forget that Spaceship Earth is currently in its fourth version. And when you think of classic attractions, you think classic attractions never change, right? Spaceship Earth has always been Spaceship Earth. But that's wrong. Spaceship Earth has changed three times. And I'm not talking about like little little things here and there. No, they've made some significant changes three times in its history. And this is now its fourth version. So that being said, they have not updated it since 2007, which is the longest the attraction has ever gone without a change. And it needs it. It it, it certainly deserves to get an, another improvement. If it wants to stay the park icon, it has to stay relevant and it has to stay fresh and new and updated. So I'm very excited for the refurbishment because they're not planning, if they do plan to continue it the way that they had set out, they're not going to simply change everything, but they are going to spruce it up. A lot of the scenes that we love from the cavemen scene up through the uh, turn of the 20th century are going to stay the same. So there will still be the Greeks and the Romans and the Egyptians and the beloved Phoenicians and the Renaissance, the Industrial Revolution. Those scenes are all still going to change. Oh, sorry, stay the same, but they're going to update them with new, fresher technology, which is very refreshing and, and great to to do to an attraction. And then they're also going to update the end and the end is what has changed the most over time and if you don't believe me go and find on youtube go search online go to youtube and look for spaceship birth the jeremy irons version which is from 1994 to 2006 and that part that attraction that that version of spaceship birth looked quite different than what is currently at the uh at epcot so i'm very excited for the uh for the changes if i didn't say it enough but uh, they did delay it, so it's not happening anytime soon. Let me see what other questions were sent in from the question sticker. And then go back to some of the comments. Favorite relaxing spots at Disney parks? This is a great question. So there's a lot. I think the number one place I love to relax at the parks is technically not at the parks, but at the resorts. Um, the resorts, of course, have a lot to offer. And if you're taking a vacation to Disney, a lot of times we don't treat it like a vacation, but we treat it like a marathon. It's all about the parks. It's all about the rides. It's all about getting from one thing to the next and checking off everything in your to-do list. And you do it so quickly and with such ferocity that you miss the vacation. 
you miss a lot of the moments that are in between the checklist. And the resorts are one great way to sit back and relax and just enjoy your vacation. And the resorts themselves also have a lot to offer. And I think that no matter which Walt Disney World Resort property you stay in, you're going to have a great experience at your resort. Of course, the deluxe resorts offer the most in terms of amenities and offerings, but even the moderate resorts have a lot to offer, and the value resorts also have a lot to offer. And so taking some time during your day, even to leave the parks and spend the afternoons at the hotel can be really a great way to relax and unwind. At the parks... If you find a location beyond an e-ticket attraction, those are my favorite places to relax. Because around the e-ticket attraction, there's a lot of hustle and bustle and activity. There's people walking into the attraction, exiting the attraction, looking at the attraction, thinking about the attraction. If you think about the area around Rock and Roller Coaster and Tower of Terror, Expedition Everest, there's just a lot of hustle and bustle in those main throughways. But if you find other parts of the park, there's some hidden locations that when you go exploring, you find. And I'm not going to tell you any specific ones because I'm just going to encourage you the next time you're in the parks to go exploring and find something that's slightly off the beaten path. And there's a lot of really awesome places to sit back and relax on a park bench. Uh, There's at every park, I have at least a few places that I can go to that are pretty devoid of crowds and activity and noise and they could just sort of sit back and relax the at- and enjoy the atmosphere. So outside the resorts, if we're talking specifically in the parks, it's another reason to go find something off the beaten path and just go exploring. Put down the park map, get lost in the park. And then, of course, if you really are lost, ask a cast member or pick up the park map again if you need to get somewhere. But just put the park map away and go exploring, get lost in an onstage area and you'd be amazed what relaxing spots you find. And that's how I've found places over the years is simply by relaxing or by exploring, I should say. Lots of thanks, from, including from cast members. My pleasure, Gabe. It's always nice to meet fellow uh, former or current cast members as a, uh, a former cast member myself. It's a good question. I've been asked in a while. What pushed you to start Imagine Your Podcast? So I think I'm a person who always needs a creative outlet. That's probably the main incentive that I had. If you, any time in my life uh, that I, I've always had some sort of hobby or creative outlet on the side. It's just a great way for me to um, get creative and and uh, be happy. Is these are things I enjoy doing. So. I'd always thought about starting a podcast. Of course, the topic that I know the most about is Disney. And in 2017, I just decided, you know what? I've been talking about this for so long. Let's just do it. Let's kick it off. Let's 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 share a podcast episode. And so I came up with some of my favorite attractions. I thought about a way that I could present the material and I just started doing it. And as I've done it, it's continued to be like a practice. It's it's just been something that I continue to Um, to do, to enjoy, to improve, and to change. And I've always kept it for fun. And that's really what's pushed me to keep it going, in addition to 
the great response I've gotten, the really humbling response I've gotten from people like you listening to the podcast episode and people like you watching this Instagram live. And uh, it's been very encouraging to to host this show. But it was really just something I felt passionate about. And if you listen between the lines in the podcast episodes, I'm talking about Disney because it's one of the things that I love. But the sort of hidden message or the the hidden agenda of the podcast is to spread optimism. And I don't think there's enough optimism in the world. And what a better way to spread optimism than with a subject like Disney and a better way to spread joy and happiness. So that's why I keep the show positive. That's why whenever there's any controversial decisions or changes my job is to help you like uh like sort of like disney therapy to uh to be at peace with the decision and to look forward to the changes and to know that anytime there's been change in the past it's always been or predominantly been positive there have been changes that disney screwed up they are human they're entitled to make a couple of bad decisions and they generally learn from them and do better in the future that's the only way we learn is through failure so a sort of hidden message has been really that idea of optimism and positivity you will rarely if never hear me say something negative about disney and if it is it's usually constructive it's meant to be a very still positive thing at the end of the day just an opportunity for improvement and that's what I hope you bring not only into your Disney experience, but into your life as well. Life is a lot better when you're optimistic and look at the good and be positive. Um, and a lot of things come your way. When you put positivity into the universe, you get positivity back. And uh, I've certainly got a lot of positivity back through the podcasts, just by example. And uh it's been really a pleasure doing this, and I look forward to hosting the show for years to come. I've got a lot of topics, a lot of guests I hope to speak to one day, and it's been a real fun journey so far. All right, let's get to some other questions. Another question, I think, from the same sender. Uh, what is my favorite part of Rise of the Resistance? If you haven't heard me talk about Rise of the Resistance before, it is my favorite attraction at Disney, period. Uh, I think that I'll just say go back and listen to episode 66 of Imagine Your Podcast, which is from January of 2020, where I talked about Rise of the Resistance, and I describe all the reasons why I feel it is the best theme park attraction ever created. And it is really our generation's haunted mansion. It's the best way I could describe it. It is a combination of thrills, illusions, amazing storytelling and details, and puts you in a universe that's familiar and foreign at the same time. And even if you're not a Star Wars fan, you can still just be blown away by the attraction and love the attraction and understand it. You do not have to be a Star Wars fan. You could have not seen a single Star Wars movie and understand the attraction perfectly well. And it's just brilliant. Uh, I think it is. I think Walt would have been proud. The combination of technology, storytelling immersion in another world it from start to finish it's a masterpiece and my favorite part is probably it's really hard to decide my favorite part but i think being in the first order star destroyer is mm, you know what i'm gonna change that 
getting from Batu, the way they get you from Batu, Black Spire Outpost, to the First Order Star Destroyer, that whole transition is my favorite part of the attraction. I think it is the most ingenious way that the Imagineers convince you that you have left the planet and you're in space. They nailed it. They absolutely did it. It. If you've never seen the attraction, if you've not seen any spoilers, it'll blow your mind. If you've seen the spoilers and still not done it, it will still blow your mind. It is brilliantly done. Let's see. My favorite resort. Ooh, that's a good question. It's probably now a moderate. And in the past, if you've asked me my favorite resort, I would have always said a deluxe resort. Something like Grand Floridian or Animal Kingdom Lodge or Boardwalk or Yacht Club. Those are, of course, classic favorites. But my new favorite is Coronado Springs. Uh, ever since they added Grandestino Tower and refurbished the hotel, it's become my favorite resort on property. I think it's the best value that you can get at a resort. It's sort of like a moderate premium resort. And Grandestino Tower is gorgeous. I think the the restaurant offerings, the the uh, the rooms, the, the the sprawl of the resort, and all the amenities, the pools, just everything is fantastic. I I love Coronado Springs. That's probably my new favorite resort on property, and it's an old resort. But since they refurbished it and added Grandestino Tower, it's just the best. I I can't get enough of that hotel. Wow, we've already been talking for about 53 minutes answering questions, so I'm going to get to just a few more, and then we will stop for this particular Instagram Live. Oh, goodness. All right. Someone brought it up. What is my favorite Disney princess? Can anybody take any guesses in Instagram Live? Because I feel like I've talked about this before, so those of you who listen to the podcast or... In particular, if you've listened to my most recent podcast episode, I did actually mention it in that podcast episode, and I've mentioned it in other Instagram lives as well. I'm letting the suspense build. Kara and Frankie and Jacob, you're all the first to say it, and you're all correct. It is Tiana. Tiana is 100% my favorite Disney princess. Belle is another great one, too. I think all the Disney princesses are... Uh, amazing in their own right but tiana ever since princess and the frog came out the she was i felt one of the most one of the strongest disney princesses but in a way that was not so forced and if you really read between the lines i think that she is a fantastic role model for anybody she's passionate about what she wants out of life she goes after her dreams she not only accepts that a dream is something you can achieve, but understands that you have to work really hard to make your dreams come true. And she's willing to bend over backwards just from her father's experience and words. She's willing to do whatever it takes to make her dreams come true. Even if it's working, you know, if you're an entrepreneur and you have a company that you're trying to grow, you're working nonstop. And I think Tiana gets that, and she's willing to put in the the effort to do that. And yet, despite her goals in life, she's still a wonderful person and friend to both people she knows and people that she doesn't know. I think that her willingness to help uh, Prince Naveen by kissing that frog, and although it didn't turn out exactly the way it should have, it ultimately ended up being what she needed in the end. Um but her willingness to help Prince Naveen, 
even when she was going through her own struggles in that particular moment, she was at one of her most stressed out points, um, being at the precipice of, of making her dreams come true, but having this huge uh, fallback and also helping um, you know, her own friends. She's just a great role model and a strong person and my favorite Disney princess, just all around one of the most wholesome Disney princesses. So uh, I, I'm a huge Tiana fan, but of course you got to love Belle as mentioned. Belle's probably second on my list. Um, another example of a strong, independent, forward-thinking, intelligent, kind-hearted princess and um, still brilliant. So yeah, I, I am absolutely uh, Tiana's top of my list. If I could own a Disney ride vehicle, what would it be? That's a really great question. Uh, can I bring back the Horizons ride vehicle? That would be great. No, I think the prisoner transports from Rise of the Resistance would be top of my list as well as there's so many. There's so many ride vehicles. I will also put the Doom buggies on there just for the uniqueness of them. They're not the most comfortable, though, so maybe wouldn't want to sit in them in any given day. Uh I'm going to have to give this one some more thought. Maybe we'll do a podcast episode about ride vehicles we would love to own or some of our favorite ride vehicles. That'll have to be a topic we talk about. Frankie, growing up, I never watched the Disney princess movies because my mom thought it wasn't necessary because I was a boy. Totally false. Um, I, I will have to disagree with your mom on that one. I grew up watching the princess movies and I don't think it has anything to do with being a boy or a girl at all. It's definitely not a uh, <laughs> definitely not a gender thing. Um, you can be as long as you're human, or even if you're a pet, you can enjoy the princess movies, the pirate movies, whatever you love. It doesn't matter. Let me see what else. Oh, the logs from Splash Mountain. That's a good answer. When are they going to start construction on Splash Mountain? They have not announced it. I do not know. I. I'm guessing probably within the next two to three years, but they have they have not announced it. I think a lot of the projects that are not started, they're kind of delaying and pushing back a bit just to get the other projects they're working on finished, given the, uh, the fact that they do need to control their expenses during a pandemic. Take another quick, quick sip of water as I read through... Oh, test track cards, another good one. Let's read through some of the other questions. Probably get to one or two more. Christina, I'm glad you asked this question. How do I feel about the live action films? So I'm guessing you're talking about the live action remakes of our animated classics, some of our favorite animated classics. I, I think there's a little reason to not like them. Um, for me, it's always been this weird feeling that people have that they are actually like outright mad that Disney's remaking films into live action. For me, if it's an offering, you can either go and enjoy it or don't. And it's fine either way. Um, I, I think that Disney's smart by remaking some of the live actions because it helps us to relive our nostalgia. It gives it a fresh spin. I think a lot of the live action remakes like Cinderella was set the bar very high. If you watch the live action Cinderella remake, it was one of the best live action remakes, period. 
Jungle Book with John Favreau is another great example. Um, Lion King. I am a Lion King fan. It is, whenever you ask me, it is my favorite Disney animated movie. Um, Lion King is always the answer I give for my favorite Disney animated movie. I saw the live action remake. What, did I like it more than the animated one? No, but I still really enjoyed it. And I think that's the thing is that you don't have to choose one or the other. You can have both and you can appreciate and enjoy them for different reasons. And the one thing I do love more about the live action Lion King is the score. And a lot of people say, Matt, you like the remake of a lot of those favorite songs like I Just Can't Wait to Be King and Be Prepared. That's not what I said. Not the soundtrack. The score. The score by Hans Zimmer was better than the original. And I'm not just saying that because I love Hans Zimmer, but Hans Zimmer admits that the score he made for the live action remake was better than the original because he had a larger budget to work with. And of course, decades more of experience behind under his belt. So that's one of those ways that I think that they improved upon the original was the score. There's always something to appreciate about the movies. And you can watch a film, and this goes for anything. You can watch a film and not like it. That's fine. But know that it's a personal thing. It's subjective. You might not like it, but it could be somebody else's favorite. And that's why the only another question a lot of people ask me that I never answer is my least favorite attraction. Honestly, it doesn't matter because even though it's maybe my least favorite, it's somebody else's favorite and there's no reason to put it down. Somebody else gets joy out of it. And who am I to put down something that gives someone joy? So it's the same thing with the live action remakes. There are people out there who the live action Lion King is their favorite movie. You know that there are people out there who that's their favorite movie or the live action Aladdin or yes, even the live action Mulan. There are people who that is their favorite movie. Who am I to put that down? It's something that brings you joy, so that's great. And the more the merrier. The more content we have, the better, because it just gives us more choices and more things to talk about and debate and love, but I will only ever give it with a positive spin. Um, I will not put down films, nor will I put down attractions. So the live-action films, at the very least, they offer something new and fresh, that give people entertainment and happiness and joy and help them to relive some of the feelings they had watching their favorite animated movies for the first time in a way that feels new as if it's the first time they're watching it again. Uh, and if you don't like it, that's fine. Don't watch it again. But I, I tend to really enjoy and appreciate, at the very least, I am entertained by every Disney movie I see. It's not really been a Disney movie where I have felt like it was a waste of time. Um, it just it hasn't happened to me ever. Uh, what mic do I use for my podcast? It is an Audio-Technica. It's, uh, this is a new mic I got in October and it is my favorite mic so far. It is uh, really high quality audio. What you're listening to on Instagram live right now is my AirPods. I'm recording using the Audio-Technica for the podcast itself. So those of you listening to the podcast are getting the better quality audio. So if you're watching Instagram live, definitely subscribe to the podcast and you'll get to listen back to this whole discussion with the Audio-Technica. And it is certainly a high quality audio um, 
equipment. It's not the top of the line broadcast quality, but it's for podcast quality, pretty strong. All right, let's get to one more question because we've been talking for over an hour and my voice is starting to get a little hoarse at this point. Um, I got to make sure it's a good one. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. A lot of different topics, a lot of different topics to get through. Ooh, this is a good one. This is a good one. Do I think this will comes from Rocket Reese? Do I ever think, uh, do I think they will ever get, we will ever get a fifth park at Walt Disney World? Um, probably not. I, I, it would be great. I love sort of playing sandbox and, and uh, blue sky Imagineer and just thinking about all the possibilities. But as far as the next 20 years, I don't think we'll see a fifth theme park at Walt Disney World. I think we're more likely to see another Disneyland somewhere in the world. My guess, this is, it's always, it's always dangerous to speculate. So I'm going to make this very clear. I have no reason to think this other than my own personal thoughts. Um, I think the Middle East will be the next to get a Disneyland. And part of the reason I feel that way is because there are certainly a lot of countries in the Middle East that are booming and their economies are growing. They're a different part of the world that not everybody can easily get to a Disneyland from the Middle East. There's a huge population there. Um, And I think that that would probably be the next place we would see a Disneyland park open. Um, That's, again, highly speculative, and I could be totally wrong, but I feel like that might be the next place. It's kind of where China... Yeah, Dubai in particular, Emily, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, kind of where China was when Hong Kong Disneyland opened is what I'm thinking Dubai is getting to. And I think that Dubai could be a location of a Disney park. Uh, I really do. I think that if Disney might be looking at it, again, I have not read anything. I have not heard anything. I have not spoken to any cast members about this behind closed doors. This is 100% just my take on it. And that's what I would guess would be a location. Interesting point from Frankie about Brazil. I, I don't think they'll build a Disney in Brazil because there's a lot of people from Brazil already traveling to Walt Disney World. So they would probably end up significantly reducing not significantly but reducing the uh, tourism to walt disney world just by opening disneyland in brazil could be for good could be for better it might help them overall but uh yeah help elon musk might put one on mars that's true uh but as far as the fifth fifth park at walt disney world i don't think we're going to see it anytime soon because disney's only going to add a fifth park if it's going to add a vacation day to everyone's vacation or the majority of people who visit Walt Disney World. And right now, not everybody even goes for four parks, goes to all four parks on their Disney vacation. They might choose two or three. And so to add a fifth, I think, is going to only cannibalize the attendance at the other parks and probably won't add more visitors or add days to theme park vacations. So that's the business side of it and why I don't think we'll get it. But if Disney had unlimited budget and didn't care about money, I would think it would be a great thing to do, right? Because you get more attractions. Again, choice. The more choices we have, the better. And the more we get to experience. So I would love to see a fifth park, but uh, I unfortunately don't think we'll see one. I think we'll just continue to see expansions 
and changes to the existing parks and maybe other offerings. So maybe not a theme park, but similar to like just another recreation activity. Maybe they'll bring back something kind of like Discovery Islands, but uh, I, I don't think we're going to see a 15 park anytime soon. So we've been talking for almost an hour and 10 minutes. Uh, so I'm just going to leave a couple of plugs before signing off for this Q&A. First of all, if you don't already listen to Imagineer podcast, of course, check it out. It's free. Uh, and we offer and talk about a lot of really fun Disney subjects, all with a positive spin and a lot of optimism. You could find it on your favorite podcast app just by searching for Imagineer Podcast or go to ImagineerPodcast.com. It's all linked right there. I'll tell you that the most recent episode as of the recording of uh, this episode as of this Q&A is Splash Mountain. I did a whole backstory and history and all the details about Splash Mountain. It is, as of, again, the recording of this episode, the fastest downloaded episode in Imagineer Podcast history for almost four years now. And that's all thanks to you. So if you haven't checked it out, be sure to. I've been getting a lot of really positive feedback about it. Some people have said they listened multiple times to that episode, which is always the most flattering thing that you can say to me because that really says something. Um, But check it out. Again, it's free and available on any podcast app. And if you want to support the show even more, I do offer a Patreon account as well. And Patreon is a way that you can support your favorite creators because everything I do is free. The Instagram, Facebook, the podcast, that's all free. And I, of course, pay for everything out of my own pocket, all the expenses of the show, the web, running the website, uh, the podcast equipment, hosting the podcast. There's expenses for everything. And to help incentivize uh, keeping the show going and uh, financially, in addition to pa- just the passion that I have, um, Patreon is a way that you can support the show financially. But I give you a lot. And literally every level of membership, no matter what level you are at, you get benefits and exclusive content just for supporting the show. And if you've seen how hard I work for free, um, you can only imagine how hard I work when you throw money my way. Um, So examples of things you can get through Patreon is, yep, Jeanette. Jeanette's a proud sorcerer. Jeanette's been, you've been a patron for like three years. I'm so incredibly grateful. And there's a lot of patrons that are watching right now. So some of the examples you can get at the most basic level, we do weekly, every Monday night, we gather as a group virtually and do a Disney Plus watch party, which has been so much fun. It was a new benefit we started back in the fall. You also get access to your private Facebook group. And we do, uh, depending on what level of membership, and I'll tell you where to go. It's um, patreon.com slash imagine your podcast or go to imagine your podcast.com and click the support tab that will take you straight there and examples of other things you get include early access to every podcast episode podcast uh, access to my podcast production notes for all my podcast episodes i just started giving uh for certain patrons um uncut episode raw file episodes so you can listen back to the full audio uncut before i edited it And in some cases, I actually have video of some of the recordings from some of my podcast guests and uh, interviews and episode discussions. Uh, My favorite thing that we just added, uh, if you're a huge Disney fan like I am, one of the things that I always do just about every day of my life is listen to an area music loop. Yep, (laughs) just mentioned the music loops. 
uh, I just started in on Valentine's Day. It was a new park, so a new perk. So every single day on the Patreon feed, um, you have to be at the apprentice level. But I link you to a different Disney area music loop. I have 367 that are lined up through the year, one every day, all unique, never a repeat. And I actually have more that I've added to my list since then. So it will be closer to 400 by the time I'm done. Every single morning, 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you sign up for email notifications, you get an email about it. And otherwise, it just shows up in your Patreon feed. Uh, different area music loop to help you get through the day. And there's a lot more. I won't go on and on about it except to say that there's a lot of really great exclusive content that's available for helping to support the show. So like Lauren, like Jeanette, like a lot of the folks listening and watching and typing in here that they are patrons. Um, definitely consider joining our Patreon group. I make it as positive and wonderful a community as possible. And again, it's Patreon, which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Imagine Your Podcast. Or again, imagineyourpodcast.com. Click on the support tab and I'll take you there as well and you can learn more about it. And that's it. Otherwise, I sincerely appreciate you all. If you're listening to the podcast, listening to the podcast, if you're watching Instagram Live for submitting your questions and for and for just really spending time with me today, uh, it's been always, as always, a real pleasure. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day, and I will see you all on Instagram. Take care, everybody. with that we close out episode 105 of the imagineer podcast i hope you enjoyed listening back to this q a if you were taking part in a discussion on instagram thank you so much for participating sending in your questions and discussing these topics with me i know i can't always get to all the questions that were submitted but i try to get to as many as i can and i find that we had a really great conversation as always on Instagram Live. And that prompts me to asking you what other questions you would like to ask me. The best opportunity to participate in one of these is to make sure that you are following me on Instagram at Imagine Your Podcast. But you can send me your questions in so many different ways. And you can follow me also on Facebook, TikTok, and LinkedIn at Imagine Your Podcast, on Twitter at Imagine Your News, and in our Facebook group, which is the Imagination also called the Imagineer Podcast Disney Fan Community, where you can talk about this subject with me and with other members of this listener community. Plus, you can always send me an email, which is at matt at imagineerpodcast.com. Matt is spelled with two T's, by the way, M-A-T-T, at imagineerpodcast.com. If you don't already subscribe to the show, make sure to hit that subscribe or follow button, whether you're listening to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, or any other podcast app. And that will ensure that you are the first to know when new podcast episodes become available. Often will get automatically downloaded to your device the next time you sign into that podcast platform. And if you haven't already left us a rating and a review in the Imagine Your Podcast, Apple Podcast uh, store, make sure to do so. And Apple Podcasts does so much in particular to help us continue to grow this podcast. I do read each and every review I get and will often even share them out to my Instagram and Facebook stories. So if you take a few seconds, it literally just takes a few seconds to leave a rating in Apple Podcasts. 
And you can also write a review, again, depending on how, how long your, your review is. It could take anywhere from uh, 30 seconds to a couple of minutes. And even if you listen to this podcast on another platform, leaving that rating in Apple Podcasts, again, is probably the best way you can help this community grow its relevance in Apple Podcasts and other podcast platforms. If you want to take your love of Imagineer podcast to the next level, be sure to check out our Patreon group. And thanks as always to all of our Patreon members. I should shout out a few new Patreon members this year in our Sorcerer and Hero tiers so far, which are the two highest levels at this point. And now those new Imagineer Society or Patreon members are Crystal W., Daniel B. and Thomas. And thanks to you and to all of our Patreon members for your continued support. You can learn more about our Patreon group by going to patreon.com slash Podcast. The link is also available at imagineerpodcast.com. But Patreon is a way you can help to support the show financially. And in return, you get extra perks, benefits, and rewards. You can unlock literally hundreds of potential posts on Patreon by becoming a member. And that includes the backlog of all posts up until this point. Things like bonus podcast episodes, uh, early access to all podcast episodes, access to my podcast production notes. Plus beyond that, you get access to our private Facebook group. You can get access to my close friends list on Instagram where I'll often post out bonus polls and trivia questions and lots of other extra content. It's a great community of individuals and I am as always so grateful to all of our Imagineer podcast Patreon members. I encourage you to take a look and check us out again over at Patreon dot com slash Imagineer podcast. And of course, the easiest thing to do to support the show is a very simple thing, and that's to hit that share button. Whether you share out this podcast episode, this Q&A, any other podcast episode of the show, the podcast as a whole, or your favorite social media post, whether you share it out in a post um, or short share it to your Instagram or Facebook stories, or even just talking about it with your friends and family who love all things Disney. Everything you do to share the show does so much to help this community out. Plus, be sure to check out our partners. First, take a look at The Kingdom Insider over at thekingdominsider.com and The Kingdom Insider on all social media channels to get the latest news about all things Disney and to learn how you can make the most of your next Disney vacation and to even bring the magic of Disney into your own home. They have lots of great content and are usually very focused on what's happening at Disney now and what's to come in the future, which really balances out well with this podcast, which is focusing mostly on what has happened in the past, a lot of Disney history, as well as what is happening in the future with a little bit or a little bit of the future with another discussion or to talk a little bit about what's happening in the present as well. So you can check them out again by going to thekingdominsider.com or The Kingdom Insider on all social media channels. And the next time you're ready to book a vacation to Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, Adventures by Disney, Aulani, or any other Disney destination, be sure to look into our travel partner, which is Mickey Vacations by Academy Travel. Academy Travel is a diamond earmarked agency, which is the highest level of distinction that Disney awards travel agencies. They are one of the top three, in fact, the number one travel agency for Disney vacations in the U.S. They can help to plan out your next Disney vacation at no additional cost to you, which is such a great benefit. They can even help you to save money because they are aware of 
all the available discounts that you may be eligible for, and they can help to eliminate all that guesswork in uh, or guesswork in planning out your next Disney vacation. You can request a free quote from them by clicking on the travel links in the description of this podcast episode, or simply go to imagineerpodcast.com. Click on the travel dropdown, select your destination. That'll take you right to the form to fill out. Once you fill that out, they will get back to you as soon as possible. There's no obligation if you want to stop it right there, but if at least you want a free quote, be sure to fill out that form. And again, they will get back to you as soon as possible at no obligation. But we, I definitely encourage you to, uh, to check them out and to book with them for your next Disney trip. Last but not least, I want to encourage you, as always, to go after your hopes, dreams, goals, whatever they might be. It's incredible when you start saying yes to these opportunities, when you take that next step, that first step to go after your goals. Just take it step by step, one step at a time, and enjoy the process. So many opportunities become available to you, and you'd be amazed what you can accomplish. So remember, as always, that inspiring quote from Horizons. If you can dream it, you can do it. Thank you so much for listening to the show, and we'll see you again in a future episode of the Imagineer Podcast. Did I forget to mention reptiles? Well, they just don't seem to care that it's tough to be a bug. But you guys should, because we make your world one honey of a place. We're pollinators. We're pollinators. If you like vegetables, fresh fruit and flowers, give thanks to us buds for our marvelous powers. If it weren't for the fact that we like the taste you'd be out there wallowing in shoulder high waist shoulder high waist